Rosa Luxemburg was born on the 5th of March 1871, the year of the Paris Commune, in Zamosh, in Congress Poland, then part of the Russian Empire. Luxembourg's father was a timber trader, and her parents were Polish Jews. Speaking Polish, German, Russian and Hebrew from a young age, and with a fierce intellect, she quickly rose to the top of her class at school in Warsaw, for which she won a scholarship, and this despite the anti-Semitic laws limiting places in schools for Jewish children. Of course, she was frequently in trouble for her disobedient behaviour and early political radicalism, and upon graduating, was denied the gold medal, usually awarded for academic merit, and I quote her headmaster, on account of her rebellious attitude. Luxembourg immediately threw herself into political activity and joined the proletariat party in Poland. She made her way to Switzerland in 1889, both to flee from police repression and in order to enter higher education, as most European countries at the time denied women the right to attend university. She was initially interested in botany and zoology, something you can see if you read through some of her letters, but her socialist beliefs led her to study history, politics, philosophy and economics. She won her doctorate from the University of Zurich in 1897 at the age of 26 with a thesis entitled The Industrial Development of Poland. Her research in political economy made her an expert within the international socialist movement and she was later to teach Marxist economics in the training centre run by the German SPD. In 1897, Luxembourg secured a green card marriage through the movement, which gave her German citizenship. In 1899, Luxembourg was a co-founder of the Social Democracy of the Kingdom of Poland and Lithuania, formed from the Union of Workers in Lithuania and the SDKP. But it was in Germany that Luxembourg settled, and she soon formed lifelong friendships and political relationships with Clara Zetkin and Louise Kautsky. Immediately upon arrival in Berlin in 1898, she attacked Eduard Bernstein in the revisionist controversy. Bernstein had been the leading writer of the SPD from the 1880s onwards, editing its newspapers from exile, but he was moving towards reformism. Luxembourg wrote in response, Social Reform or Revolution, often just called Reform or Revolution, which quickly became a standard text of the revolutionary socialists. This established her as one of the leading voices of the radical wing of the party. Between 1904 and 1906, she was imprisoned for her political activities on three occasions. Luxembourg wrote articles, many of which are still in the process of being translated into English today. She taught in a party school, spoke at meetings of workers, and fought for a revolutionary perspective at party congresses. To give an idea of some of her writings, in 1900 to 1901, she wrote The Socialist Crisis in France, which was an attack on cross-class collaborationism. Her 1905 article, Socialism and the Churches, was a strong polemic against Christian communists, an assertion of Marxist socialism. She was critical of liberal feminists, who sought the same privileges as the middle and upper class male counterparts, and was interested in a lot of working class women and the struggle for universal suffrage, although this was always part of a wider social programme, and unlike Clara Zetkin, she was never really involved in the women's movement. She had been close to Karl Kautsky, but from about 1910 she became the leader of a radical left faction in the SPD, distinct from both the right and the so-called Marxist centre led by Kautsky. In 1913 she wrote The Accumulation of Capital, a lengthy book about Marxist economics and the problem of how capitalist society relates to the non-capitalist periphery, 
what socialist feminist Nancy Fraser has called the inside-outside problematic. The workers' movement at the time saw the threat of European war looming, and Luxembourg was a vociferous opponent of war. At the 7th Congress of the Socialist International in Stuttgart in 1907, Luxembourg and Lenin jointly moved an amendment that the Workers' Party should unite against a potential war which was adopted. They moved, I quote, It is our duty to intervene in favour of the war's speedy termination and with all our powers to utilise the political and economic crisis created by the war to rouse the masses and thereby hasten the downfall of capitalist class rule. However, as we sadly know, the weakness of the socialist parties meant that when World War I started, most supported their own governments in their war efforts. In Germany, a policy of Bergfriedenspolitik, or civil truce, was declared. The majority of the SPD Reichstag faction moved to support the war credits, and every single SPD deputy in the Reichstag agreed to vote for war credits for the Kaiser. Some, like Kautsky, disagreed with war credits, but said that in the difficult time they should maintain party discipline. It came as a shock to many in the movement. When Lenin first heard of the vote, he assumed the news was a forgery by the German government. Luxembourg was devastated by this betrayal of internationalism. However, she wasted no time in organising. Luxembourg, Franz Mehring and others sent out over 300 telegrams to leading figures in the SPD, asking them to meet in Luxembourg's flat to discuss a new anti-war strategy. When the meeting went ahead, there were just eight people there. But Luxembourg's ideological intransigence did not let that low number stop her. She formed the Internationale Group, which became the Spartacus League in January 1916. So named because they wrote illegal anti-war pamphlets, signed Spartacus, inspired by the former gladiator, who was one of the leaders of the Third Servile War, the slave revolt against the Romans. In December of 1914, Karl Liebknecht became the only SPD deputy to vote against more war credits. By December of the following year, 1915, 19 other deputies joined Liebknecht in voting against war credits, though there was still a minority in the SPD. Luxembourg organised anti-war demonstrations in Frankfurt, calling for opposition to military conscription and calling on soldiers to refuse their orders. She was promptly imprisoned for a year. Luxembourg was released in early 1916, greeted by thousands of women at the prison gates and promptly continued her anti-war agitation and so was arrested again in July 1916, following Liebknecht's arrest in May of that year. Prison was brutal and the loss of freedom must have been tortuous but it did not break Luxembourg's resolve, and she continued writing. With the help of comrades, she was able to smuggle out articles and pamphlets. In 1916, she released the famous anti-war Unius pamphlet. In September 1918, she wrote The Russian Revolution, an essay about the October Revolution, which criticised some of the actions of the Bolsheviks. Once out of jail, she did not actually publish the essay, I think based on what she later wrote about the National Assembly in Germany, she changed her mind about some of her criticisms, for example about the Constituent Assembly. But she ultimately did salute the Russian Revolution, and said that Lenin and Trotsky and their friends were the first, those who went ahead as an example to the proletariat of the world. They are still the only ones who can cry, I have dead. This is the essential and enduring Bolshevik policy. At the end of 1918, 
the German Revolution exploded. To give a very simplified version of events, there had been serious workplace organising during the war years, speared on by the group that later became the Revolutionary Shop Stewards, and the demands had increasingly taken on political dimensions about the war, not just economic demands. Opposition to the war within the SPD had led to a split and the creation of the USPD, and there were more and more demonstrations against the war. The spark that flared up came when German soldiers led a revolt in the port of Wilhelmshaven in October, quickly followed by the Kiel mutiny in November, when sailors refused their orders to go on a suicidal mission. Soviets of workers and sailors were established, and quickly spread to take control of many cities. In the face of total civil unrest, the Kaiser abdicated. In fact, a total of 21 German monarchs from the different federal states were forced to abdicate. A republic was proclaimed, and the war was ended. The SPD leaders, like Noska, Ebert and Scheidemann, now found themselves at the head of the government, and they were keen to halt any further radicalisation. For them, the establishment of a republic and some social reforms were sufficient. They quickly sought to get workers to return to work, um, for some regular government institutions to regain control, and for the soldiers and sailor Soviets to subside. Many political prisoners, including Luxembourg, had been freed by the revolution, and the Spartacus League agitated for the revolution not just to overthrow the Kaiser, but the whole capitalist system. To the SPD, she was an incredible threat. Secretly, Ebert met daily with Wilhelm Groner, the quartermaster general of the army. On New Year's Day 1919, Luxembourg helped form the KPD, the Communist Party of Germany, an explicitly revolutionary socialist organisation. By 1921, it had a membership of 300,000, and by 1924, it had gained 3.5 million votes. However, Luxembourg and Liebknecht were not to see the KPD's tremendous growth. The leaders of the USPD and KPD called for a general strike in Berlin on the 7th of January 1919, in protest at the sacking of the Berlin police chief, who was a left-wing socialist. The subsequent strike attracted half a million people, who surged into downtown Berlin. Some of the participants organised a plan to oust the SPD government and launch a communist revolution. Insurgents seized key buildings, which led to a standoff with the government. Luxembourg had not initiated the uprising. She thought the idea of storming government buildings desperately premature, and famously confronted Karl Liebknecht, saying, Karl, what about our programme? But she supported the uprising once it had begun. The SPD-led government moved to stop the uprising. It denounced Bloody Rosa in lynch mob agitational language, and sent proto-fascist militias called the Freikorps to clear out the buildings. A total of 156 people were killed in Berlin, and the uprising failed. Urged to flee, Luxembourg and Liebknecht refused to leave Berlin and were captured by the Freikorps on the evening of the 15th of January 1919. Captain Waldemar Pabst questioned the two and then ordered the summary execution. Both Luxembourg and Liebknecht were beaten unconscious with rifle butts and shot through the head. Luxembourg's body was thrown unceremoniously into the Landwehr Canal and it took months for her body to surface. Liebknecht's body was delivered to a morgue. Richard Miller, one of the leaders of the revolutionary shop stewards, 
left a meeting of the Berlin Executive Council to identify the body. And when he returned, he was told by Fritz Brolat, an SPD member, Yes, well, that's what happens when you agitate like that. Luxembourg was just 47 years old when she was murdered.